Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast. Release date. I can't wait for it. Here we go. The 2nd of January 2022. Tell us. You're going to tell us? Without me? Yes. Could you pass me my diary, please? Benji. I'm Benji Clifford. He's Nick Briggson. Happy New happy, Year! Happy. <sighs> and in spite of all the troubles in the world, there are plenty of great audio drama and audio books to look forward to from Big Finish in 2022. It's very exciting, isn't it? Mm. Yes. And we oh. celebrate the New Year with a special behind-the-scenes segment on the brand-new Fifth Doctor range, investigating Secrets of Telos by Matt Fitton. I am Christopher Timothy, and I play Professor Parry. And I'm Peter Davison, and I play Trist... Oh, no, sorry. Um, Doctor. The Doctor. Then we tease you with our latest Bernie Summerfield release. Yes, that futuristic archaeologist is back in this audiobook performed by Benny herself, the wonderful Lisa Bowerman. And the title? The Weather on Vessimon. My name's Lisa Bowerman. And I play Bernie Summerfield. Listeners' emails and our good review guide are having a little post-New Year celebration break. They're feeling a bit fragile, but they'll yes. be back next week. Too much sherry. And so we round things off with a free 15-minute drama tease uh, of The Fifth Doctor, Secrets of Telos. Yes, Telos. Tell us more. Heathrow, here we come. I've heard that before. Except Nissa never repaired the time curve indicator. Doctor, I... Uh... Nissa? Uh... What's wrong with her? Uh... I'm not sure. Looks like she's fainted. New Year celebrations. What does 2022 hold for us and Big Finish? What does it hold? Well, I mean, uh... Lots of exciting uh, new classic Doctor ranges. I'm looking forward Ooh. to the first and second Doctor coming out. We've already recorded yes. the first Doctor. Um, we will be recording the second Doctor soon. Um, and uh, a few days after the release of this podcast, the, the, uh, I think there'll be some announcements regarding those, but I won't blow that now. Um, it's all kicking off. Very exciting. 2022, the year of opportunities. Well, yeah, I mean, the trouble is we thought that last year, 2021. I mean, it, the trouble is the whole of uh, civilization is really um, in the grip of this pandemic, isn't it? And Omicron. Yeah, well, I mean, and, there, you know, there'll be other variants. I remember um, uh, last year I was a little bit worried that... Um, one of the uh, stories we were doing uh, featured the word Delta quite uh. considerably. And then, and I said, oh, is this a bit, you know, it's not out yet, by the way, this thing. And uh, someone commented at the time, they said, don't worry, there'll be plenty more variants after that. Everyone will have forgotten about Delta, which of course they have done in the face of Omicron. And um, what will be the next one? Um, you know, the, the, it is in the nature of viruses, is it not, that they, uh, and all life, it, it uh, evolves in order to survive more efficiently. I think the hope is, is I, I didn't think we'd be talking about this, but um, I think the hope is that, you know, a good virus is a virus that doesn't kill its host. It's a good virus, like, like the common cold is quite a, quite a successful virus because it infects loads of people, gets to live and jump around on different people, but hardly ever kills anyone. 
So it's a successful virus. It's, you know, viruses that kill people are unsuccessful because if you kill a host, you die. So um, Nick's just turning into Davros now and going <laughs> on about viruses. If I had a virus. Yes, it's a good virus. <laughs> but, I mean, so let's, let's hope that, uh, that um, uh, COVID-19 learns to not be so blooming horrid because as you're bored of hearing I got it and it was I mean I didn't have to go to hospital thank goodness but it was absolutely horrible I think it was one of the worst experiences of my entire life so far and I've had a few bad experiences I can tell you and a few scrapes (laughs) I mean um so what what is there anything in particular you're looking forward to? Anything that you've worked on for Big Finish that you're looking forward to it coming out? Or? I don't think there's actually anything that I've worked on that hasn't come out at the moment. Really? I think I think everything's out. I'm work actually. I'm. Oh no, no, actually, I've got Sherlock Holmes, which is due to to be released in the new year. Yeah, in, um, in June sometime. In June, yes. Mm. And I've also I'm working on something else at the moment, which is unannounced. Uh-huh. Um, which is quite exciting and uh, it's quite well known, but uh, I can't say anything yet. I'm, I'm afraid I'm, I'm sworn to secrecy, but, um, but that's very exciting. And uh, and I can think I can sort of on a low level reveal that you will be working on uh, Jekyll and Hyde. Yes, of course. Yes, the files uh, have been sent my way. Uh, looking forward to, to getting stuck into a bit of horror. There, horror. So, yeah, I mean, and I suppose I'm looking forward to, you know, restrictions. Obviously, the annihilators, but restrictions being lifted and maybe we can all get together again, you know. Oh, uh, yeah, that'd be nice. I mean, we've had to cancel the big Finnish Christmas party, Christmas meal for all the staff members, you know, because it's just not feasible, really. So, yeah. And there's certainly uh, some new ranges of things coming out that haven't yet been announced. But yeah, so that's 2022. Coming up right now, we go behind the scenes with the Fifth Doctor Secrets of Telos. Hello, I'm Ken Bentley, and I'm directing Doctor Who The Secrets of Telos. If he's an old friend, it can hardly hurt. Tell me, how long ago was Telos? Assuming this isn't before. We left about six hours ago. How long have you been tracking us? Well, now there's a question. I've always liked Matt's writing. I like Matt to start with. Matt's one of the nicest people you could ever hope to meet in life. He's also one of the nicest writers you could ever hope to work with, which is great because you can chat with them about their work and talk about the things that come up. And the reason I've always liked Matt's writing is because when I plan it, it's immaculate. It, it always he 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 bothers to work out things like doubling up and what scenes people are in and when they're needed. And so when I'm doing scene breakdowns and scheduling, it, it's so much easier for me. That's odd. I don't remember sitting down. Doctor, are you feeling all right? Funny. That's just what I was going to ask you, Nissa. Hello, I'm David Richardson. I'm the producer of 40. This is a a special anniversary story and I wanted um, the casting to be special as well. Um, The idea of bringing in Christopher Timothy with Peter in this was 
just irresistible. I mean, I took the idea to Ken. Um, he thought it was a great idea. Uh, Christopher is Welsh. He comes from Wales, so the character of Parry um, back in Tomb of the Cybermen, although he didn't have a very thick Welsh accent, um, he, he was Welsh, so the, the, it was a perfect um, choice of casting. Um, Peter and Christopher, of course, starred together in All Creatures Great and Small on BBC One throughout the, the 1980s. Um, at one stage, actually, Peter was making All Creatures Great and Small whilst he was making Doctor Who as well. I mean, a hugely busy time for him. And All Creatures was a hugely loved show. I mean, it was it was one of those series that a family stopped everything for and would sit down together and watch it together. Um, and of course, it's since been revived by Channel 5 with a new cast and has once again become much loved. It's, it's, it's really one of those shows that um, you just escape into. It's, it's a, a look into a bygone era with really rich, lovable characters and it's got so much heart. I am Christopher Timothy and I play Professor Parry. And I'm Peter Davison and I play Trist... Oh no, sorry, um, Doctor, the Doctor. <laughs> Professor Parry, marvellous to see you again after all this time. I'm sorry, young man. Have we met? Not so long ago, apparently. I'm the Doctor. No, you're not. Obviously, I'm older now. No, you're not. First of all, I think I had access to the person who played it before, a, a few lines, and I, I heard it and thought, yeah, well, I can copy that, I suppose. And I thought, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't mean that I was, didn't like what he did, but I thought, um, I approached it like I approached every part. I thought, how can I make this sound real and natural, particularly when it's only voice and you're not being seen. I love doing radio. I've done lots of radio in the past, but not recently, and I really enjoy it because it means you can you can do things that you couldn't do in any other of the of the mediums, could you? Because, you know, playing old older men, although that would be difficult, younger men or, or all that stuff. All that, you know, all the parts that Pete and I will be, hopefully, asked to play or have been asked. There are a range of others that we could do if it was just audio, it's a very um, it's a very unexplored, I think, an, an un, uncredited uh, medium. I think it's great. Where did those implants come from? He definitely didn't have them before you left. He didn't have them less than three hours ago. Which suggests some kind of contamination already inside this ship. I, the only mistake I made is that I am actually Welsh, and it does say he's Welsh, but not very. And when we started, I was told almost immediately, can you make it a little bit less Welsh? <laughs> and, I've been, and I've been spending days thinking, oh, got to be like that all the time, see? Anyway, um, I'm, I was just thrilled to be asked. And I have to say that all through Doctor Who's life, especially after, you know, because it started, you know, before I left drama school, but when it, when it was on, particularly when Peter was playing the Doctor, I kept saying very quietly to myself, why haven't they asked me to do something in it? I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand. And to this day, I still, I still don't understand. I, I, was, I was, was thinking, why I, haven't I been asked, offered a part in Doctor Who? Everyone, I guess every actor does think, why haven't they been yeah, offered a exactly. part? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> didn't think I'd be playing it, but yeah. yeah. No, I, I, was, I, I, was, I like the script and I'm, I'm thrilled to be doing it. That's, and that's the fact. He's very well informed. Good spies need to be. 
I don't know where he got his information, but it only makes me trust him less. My name is Ronan Summers, and I am playing Hopper. Um, Hopper is a, a bit of a dinosaur, a bit old-fashioned, a bit anachronistic. Um, he's a typical 1950s-style space hero in the tradition of, you know, your Dan Dare or the character in the original Doctor Who episode. But as a result, he's got some um, less-than-refined ideas about uh, all sorts of things, like women and... Um, and, well, predominantly women. I mean, he's a, he's a big old sexist. Give me your arm, Doctor. Handcuffs? And we've only just met. Is that really necessary? Until I know who you are and what you want on my rocket, yeah. You know, it's always important to, especially for with a show like Doctor Who, where the fan base is so enthusiastic, so passionate. You know, it's it's really, I think, important to pay homage to that that sort of stuff and to give a little bit of a voice nod to it, but also to, you know, not be a slave to it and to try to make the character my own and let's have some fun with it. She's responsible for the amateur blast-off. If you ask me, they never should. I think you need to come up here. Now. My name is Tamsin Althwaite, and I've been playing Morton, who's an engineer. I think she's extremely competent, very grounded. She doesn't seem like she panics much, but she does when necessary. Um, I seem to play a lot of characters like Morton. <laughs> Go on, tell us, tell the stories. We had, a, we had, we had, a, we had to, a meeting at the television centre in London, and I really, this was my big break, really, uh, and I knew of everyone um, else in the programme apart from Carol. Uh, but uh, and we all met in this room, and I was terribly, terribly nervous. And I walked in, and I was introduced by the producer to Chris, who immediately said, "Too tall, recast." And I thought, I didn't think he was serious because it was obviously it was a joke, but I thought, what if the producer suddenly looks at me and goes, oh, actually, he is too tall. We better recast. Anyway, that was my first internet. And, I, and, it was and his meant, jokes. It was meant to, to, it was meant to, to, to create a unity between I, I me, and, me and this I, young actor I've I, met. I, you know? <laughs> I absolutely know the reason. It wasn't that I didn't know that you were making a joke. It was the fact that I thought that somebody else there, like terribly Bill, Bill Sellers being terribly serious, and obviously this is the first meeting of all the cast, yes, would yeah, actually take it suddenly seriously. You know, well, I've never forgiven out. myself now that I, now, when, when I learned the truth. It's, I'm ashamed and embarrassed. No, no, no. We kind of clocked a little while ago that we were coming up to the 40th anniversary of The Fifth Doctor on television. Um, I was there back in the day. I remember the huge excitement um, as we approached Christmas and then we came into the new year and Peter was making his debut in Castrovalva. Um, and I loved this team. I was, I was a huge fan and still am a huge fan of this team and I'm always really desperate to work to them. I put myself forward um, to come back and, and produce the season the season when um, we knew Scott was, uh, wasn't continuing with The Fifth Doctor. I wanted to find a way of celebrating Peter's contribution to the show and Jan Janet's contribution and Sarah's and Matthew's and 40 came out of that, this, um, this big epic story about The Fifth Doctor travelling along his own time stream and being um, reunited with his companions from that era at um, different stages of, of, his, of his incarnation. 
I'm Sarah Sutton and I play Nissa. I'm Janet Fielding and I play Tegan. I think she's jumped back along her temporal vector looking for a stable time track. I beg your pardon? And what about you? Me? Oh, yes. Uh, that I'm even less certain of, but I think I did much the same. I can't believe it's 40 years. I can. Can you? Yeah, I mean, <sighs> just, you know, the amount of stick we get from Peter, yeah. <laughs> I can't work out whether it feels like yesterday or just a, a million years ago. Um I mean, some of the memories are, are really fresh and, and others, it just seems so distant. I'd, 40 years old. That it. We're done. We've had a safe landing. Well, it's certainly safe so far. You mean it could get worse? Doesn't it always? I know, I was talking to Peter about something. Was it last night? And, and he reminded me of something and I thought, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> You know, well, your um, memory's better than mine. I've got an appalling memory. You remember a lot more than I really? than I do. Yeah, absolutely. Oh gosh, you do yeah. reassure me. Yeah, no, no, seriously. But I've, I don't have a great, great memory. But I actually, have to be reminded. Actually, what it's really nice, actually, especially you know, you and Peter and I. We sort of because we work together so often, and it's been such a long time. Yeah. Um, it's really, I really feel it's really feel like we've got to know each other an awful lot more since we left the program in some respects. Yeah, I think true. it was such a f strange time for for all of us for all sorts of different reasons, and and now actually it, it's um it's sort of come together more. I don't know, feel more like a, a family more now than we yeah, used to. Yeah, it does I feel think. like a family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, There's rude so as I am about, about Peter, we, yeah. you know, uh, we, we, we adore him, actually. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I'm only ever nice about him behind his back. Don't tell him that, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Are you sure he's okay? Did he hit his head? Am I imagining it, or have you both done something with your hair? He may well have done. And what on earth are you wearing, Tegan? If he didn't, he's about to. Well, when you say that was your, it was your big break, it was my big break too. So, well, except I had just seen you in the uh, um, uh, uh, Flaxborough Chronicles. I know, but that was, I mean, that, which was fine. You know, but it's a bit like, it's a bit like when I first went on television, an old schoolmaster of mine uh, wrote to me, uh, and I was thrilled that he wrote and said it was very good to see you uh, finally achieving success on television. I had four lines. <laughs> In a no, tiny, we tiny part, that. In a, and I, no, no, the, the, this assistant. was before that. This was before, before that. Oh, right. Chronicles, and I, I just remember thinking, it's so lovely because the, j just being on television then, just being yeah. seen, was yeah. a, a sign of success for them. Yeah, which is very sweet and very naive and wrong. <laughs> yeah. But Chris and I recently we did we were doing an, another series together, driving a car around. Um, oh, yeah, uh, um, Britain, and we went. We did a special journey. Uh, back to the Yorkshire Dales, which was, it was evocative, I felt. Is that him? Get back. We're too late. Oh, good Lord. You belong to us You will be like us I have to admit that from uh, an outsider's perspective, the first time that I came across Daleks and Cybermen and and all of the various Doctor Who baddies. But actually, for many people, the Doctor Who 
baddies, you know, are dear to people's hearts specifically because of their eccentricities in the same way, you know, over the decades that I've lived in these aisles, um, I've really come to love all of them, the Cybermen, the Daleks, all the, all the weird kooky robots the Doctor Who throws out. I watch enough to give me a sense of the, the, the style of what we're picking up on, if there's a, if there's a particularly period quality. So these, these were existing, um, the, the, some of the characters in this were uh, featured in the original series, so I did watch, um, I did watch part of the first episode um, so that I could hear what they, what they sounded like at the time. Uh, and get a handle on on how how they were doing it back then. But even then, it's a tricky one because, as David said to me at, at one point today on the second day of recording, um, we're we're doing a, a sequel to a 1960s episode set in the 1980s, and we're recording it in 2020. So that's a lot of passing through a lot of filters on the way to being a finished production. Try and trap it. No, no, no. It's gone. Into the ducting. Was that? Yes. A Cybermat. I knew it. There had to be something hostile here. Otherwise, why drag me along my timeline? I missed the lunch. Big Finish has always been famous for its for its wonderful cast and crew lunches where we all sit together and eat and eat delicious food. And unfortunately, we can do none of those things now. So um, that is a huge shame and disappointment and something that I can't wait to get back to as soon as possible. The issue with um, having to record oneself as at the same time as you know getting your lines right and not bumping into the proverbial furniture. Um, so it's a challenge, it's a new challenge to be on top of that tech stuff at the same time as trying to be on top of being an actor as well. Um, also, um, you know, I just, I've had a couple of deliveries come throughout the day and the, that's the type of stuff that doesn't normally happen when you're in a proper recording booth. So, you know, just like everyone, we're making do and, and, and I think probably producing a pretty decent quality of work, um, but everyone's just improvising and feeling their way through it, just like I think most people are these days in all their, in all walks of life and all businesses. I think everyone's just trying to figure out the way that they can make it work for them. And I think that Big Finish have actually to their credit, done a fantastic job. It's an interesting thing about Telos, that when it's the f- name is first mentioned in Tomb of the Cybermen, it sounds a bit like Professor Parry says Telos. Telos. But he doesn't say that any other time. But I remember I felt compelled to reference that when I wrote Sword of Orion. I had the doctor say Telos, <laughs> Telos, however you want to pronounce it, or something like that. Because I thought, because when I first saw, yeah, when I first saw Tomb of the Cybermen again, I thought, oh my goodness, we've been, we've all been getting it wrong all these years. It's quite a funny mix of people in Tomb of the Cybermen that that sort of liberate that tomb, as it were. You know, you've got a logician. Well, you know, a, lo- a logic. How many times have you been to? Oh, yes, sir. We've brought our logician along. Well, with they us. funded the project, didn't they? Because they were, they're obsessed with Cybermen and think they can use them. Yeah, master of the world. There, you've got master Bernard Holly as well. You know, a bunch of American sort of Canadian. Is it Canadian or American? Well, I don't think they ever say. I don't know. If the, uh, I think they're just it's... English people doing bad American accents. Who, who turn up in a rocket, you know? And it's like, it's a great story, though. Don't don't get me wrong; it's one of my one of my all time favorites. Make a great Hammer movie, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, it would. Well, something I I always imagined that 
it would be you know if we had the peter cushing films and they ended up going on you know you'd have something like that wouldn't you you know i I don't think they would have done the 10th planet i just can't see that i wonder if they would have kind of melded the 10th planet and tomb of the cybermen together good luck (laughs) yeah well they, they would have found some way of doing something like that but um yeah i don't know i would have liked that they are metal men made of steel <laughs> something stupid like that but anyway um, just go to bigfinish.com and type in the metal men made of no don't <laughs> type in Secrets of Telos to find this fifth Doctor box set uh, which includes God of War featuring the Ice Warriors they're ice men made of metal no they're <laughs> made not of water. <laughs> made of water they're like cactuses no they're not You're just, they're just green the cactus men the cacti Megloss uh, Megloss A Megloss um, me- the- <laughs> Just Just gets obsessed With everything Looking like something <laughs> They look like no, I'm just going to Keep talking now um, <laughs> I don't mind. Up very- It's you know It's uh, a podcast <laughs> it's, we're, we're allowed to talk here uh, yes, They, they look, look like, like potatoes They're called Sontarans <laughs> yeah, that, Well that's what they, That would have been one That would have been Roy Castle in there Hey they look like potatoes <laughs> um, Soft centres Soft yeah, Soft centres <laughs> Um, hey Doc, um, coming up soon, uh, we'll be giving you a free 15 minutes drama tease of Secrets of Telos. Yes, of course we are. But before that, it's time for Also Available. This week it's Bernice Summerfield, where Big Finish began back in the mists of time. She's still going strong and the star of the show, Lisa Bauman, for whom we are constantly adoring and grateful, gives another powerhouse performance, this time performing the audiobook the Weather on Versimmon. Bernie Summerfield, The Weather on Versimmon. Written by Matthew Griffiths. Narrated by Lisa Bowerman. Red leaves cracked as Ruth raced through the forest. She'd given up trying to be stealthy. The guard had picked up her scent, like wolves. And she was making for the archive entrance. She wasn't sure now whether the noise she heard was the guard's pounding feet or the blood throbbing in her ears. Must be nearly there. She tugged the keepsake from her pocket and watched the little green line of light thicken and brighten over its surface as she homed in on her target. The tall, dry trees reached out to her. When did it last rain on Versimmon? And she raised her arms to meet theirs, clattering and blundering and hoping the little device's sensors weren't thrown out by all the running. The forest looked to thin out ahead, though, and soon the close sound of her feet on the shed leaves opened into a wide, circular clearing. The open ground, isn't so open, actually, was dominated by a huge tree, whose canopy grew out until it almost met the forest. The trunk was red, dusty and massive. The bark had a weaving groove that she could see even at this distance in the evening light, The sight took all the urgency from her, and she went on hushed footsteps. She reached the tree and ran her hand across one of the whirling lines in its surface. The hairs stood up on the back of her hand as she imagined everything the forest encoded, the treasures clutched below the surface of its roots. The crash of boots from the forest behind her brought her out of her reverie. She circled the tree looking for an entrance. As she did so, The beat of the guard's approach circled her. She looked at the keepsake. It showed a way in, but it was much further around the tree and she hadn't a hope of getting there before the guard caught up with her. She sighed, 
drawing her hands down the bark and half squatting behind a protruding root, curved like the spine of an animal. The guard squad emerged into the clearing with the rhythmic crash-crash of boots, carrying shadows from the forest behind them, then rustled to a halt. Where are you? called a weary voice. There was a muttered conference among the guard. Look, the voice continued, if it helps, we can get you surrounded in no time, okay? Ruth, her legs realising stiffly what she'd put them through, straightened up. She shuffled away from the side of the tree. Do I need to put my hands up then? She asked, hesitantly doing so as she neared her captors. You're not carrying a gun, are you? Not sure I want any more surprises right now, replied the figure. As Ruth approached, the dozen or so guards seemed to resolve into individual humanoid shapes. Most of them stumpy, but with a couple of taller, leaner men. The figure she'd been speaking to, though, was not so tall. Not so short. Clad in a white tee and battered combats, and reluctantly familiar. Now will you be a good girl and tell these gents what all this nonsense is about? Smiled Bernice. Hello, my name's Lisa Bowerman, and I play Bernie Summerfield. I'm here to answer some questions for the extras at the end of this amazing audiobook. The first question is, what is your connection to Bernie Summerfield? Do you know, I'm not quite sure. I think perhaps I've been playing Bernie Summerfield for 23 years now, so um, not only in audiobook form, obviously, but also in the series for Big Finish, so that is my connection with Bernie Summerfield. And it has got to the point where people have actually accidentally called me Bernice instead of Lisa, so we've pretty much got to that point. Uh, my first reaction when I read this script was that it had a lot of layers to it. I mean, there are so many subjects that are, are sort of touched on. There's stuff about people's culture and how you look after them. And there's there's also, I mean, it's, it's quite a a regular thing in science fiction when they talk about terraforming and changing planets. But actually, in this environment where we're talking about climate and what we do to the environment, it's it's probably quite relevant that um, sometimes there's the law of unintended consequences. And I certainly think this is what this is about. Um, not only that, but to do with identity and um, looking out for each other, I suppose. But also the nature of metamorphosis. Gosh, I'm getting very deep about this. But I, th I think the easiest thing is just for you to listen to it and uh, draw your own conclusions. Just go to bigfinish.com and type Versimmon, V-E-R-S-I-M-M-O-N, into the search pane at the top to locate this latest audiobook delight. Did you know that those hexagonal drums in the 80s yes. uh, are called Simmons drums? Are they? Um, yeah, there we go. That's that's Simmons. when I saw the word Simmon. Yeah, Simmons. Simmons from um, uh, uh, Space 1999. <laughs> there we go. He invented the drum. That's, uh, that's a fact, subsequently, although not subsequently, true. subsequently uh, ended up, because there's no um, bounce on that, because it was like a flat thing, mm. people developed what is known as Simmons wrist, which Did is they? a wrist problem due to the impact of those weird drums from the 80s. Wow, that is an what interesting a, fact. 
Yeah, there we go. That's how you start off the new year. You can go around and tell everybody that one and they'll all think you're either very clever or very boring. Um, just time now, as always, to thank you all for listening. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. And we'll be back next week, probably in the usual sort of format. Mm, yeah, know, yeah, usual, yeah, Usual podcast. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, bye for now. Bye. A metal man made of bye for now. I just wonder whether, you know, clever and boring... You could combine the two and create a, a word clawing. Clawing. So someone who's clawing, clever, clever clawing and boring. Yeah. Yeah. Very clawing, yes, like a maths teacher. Yeah. You know, clawing sort of people. <laughs> if you're a maths teacher, I love you, but my maths teachers were incredibly clawing. So, um, you know, one wasn't, I would say one of them wasn't even clawing, actually. One was just boring. <laughs> um, and he, you know, he, used to sit, he used to sit on one of those big computers back in the day and sit and look on the very early form of eBay and just look at cars. He'd be like, open your books, turn to uh, page 380, do exercise 1A, 1B and 1C. And then you walk behind him and he'd just be sitting there looking at like Ford Sierras. And what was this early version of eBay called? eBay, but it was like the very early (laughs) eBay, you know. Okay. This early iteration of eBay was called eBay. Good Lord. The bay, the bay. And now we present the Fifth Doctor Adventures Secrets of Telos by Matt Fitton. Heathrow, here we come. I've heard that before. Except Nissa never repaired the time curve indicator. Doctor, I. Uh... Nissa? Uh, what's wrong with her? Uh... I'm not sure. Looks like she's fainted. I could see that, but why? There could be any number of reasons. She's been through a lot, and I've no idea what the Urbankans used to sedate her. It could be the oxygen deprivation. Thanks to your green best mate. Well, if you hadn't moved the TARDIS... Can we save the arguments until later? Adric, fetch the medical kit and the synaptic scanner. Right. Can I do anything? I'm trained in first aid. Not a trucker, night. First aid, I suspect. Best you leave that to me. Yes, vital signs. All normal. Adric may be right. Lack of oxygen on top of everything else may have been too much for her. Although... Doctor? I have to say, I'm feeling a little strange myself. Is it something Monarch did? Did he poison you all? No. This isn't poison. It's more like temporal dislocation. What's happening to the Doctor? I don't know. Uh, Doctor? Oh, God. She's coming round. Honestly, all of you, there's no need to worry. I'm absolutely... Doctor? That's odd. I don't remember sitting down. Doctor, are you feeling all right? Funny, that's just what I was going to ask you, Nissa. Are you feeling all right? All right? You fainted. No, you're the one who fainted, Doctor. Did I? Don't be absurd, I never faint. Well, hardly never. Where's Adric? Adric? Are you sure he's okay? Did he hit his head? Am I imagining it, or have you both done something with your hair? He may well have done. And what on earth are you wearing, Tegan? If he didn't, he's about to. It's very... I mean, I could have sworn you both looked entirely different only a moment ago. Ow! Just need to stabilize. 
What's the matter with him? Why is he asking about Adric? We've travelled a long while on our own, the Doctor and I. Your sudden return, the trauma with Omega, it might have brought on some mild mental disorientation. What was that? You said something. Ah! <laughs> Whatever it is, it's catching. The TARDIS isn't happy. It's all right. Don't worry. I can stop this. Well, I have to, really, before... to tell us without me yes could you pass me my diary please here you are but tell us after all the discussions we had professor parry you know i would take you along if my funding allowed it one extra body on a spaceship would hardly add to the cost that much but enough my backers deem one academic more than sufficient if it's really down to them Perhaps, in truth, you don't really want the competition. Competition? <laughs> Please. If I may, you, sir, are an archaeologist. I am a xenobiologist. My field of expertise has far wider applications to the living. Oh, that's very reductive. We can learn a huge amount from... And it's not just the planet Telos that I'm interested in. The entire system is an enigma. Well, yes. But we've made great progress on solving the codes. Oh, it goes far beyond your logic puzzles. Does it indeed? <laughs> well then, Vansom, you're just presenting me with one of my own. If you won't take me with you, I'll find my own backers. I'll make my own expedition. Then we'll see who has the most valuable expertise. I'll be the one to open the tomb, not you. Be careful what you wish for, Mr. Parry. I'll reach Telos, don't you fear. And I'll clear up the mess you make of it. Well, if you do, don't say I didn't warn you. Parry. Professor Parry. I did warn you. Hmm? I said Blastoff would be rough. What? When you passed out. Did I? Well, some of us cope with 6Gs better than others. Although this launch wasn't the greatest. Don't worry, though. We're flying stable now. Oh, I'm sorry. God, I'm exhausted. Oh, sure you are. We can't all be seasoned spacemen. At least you're in the right place. Medical. Medical? Makes me think of... Doctors. Mm, yeah. And the others? What about them? The men? Well, we brought back everyone we could. The rest, well... We could hardly go back inside. Oh, I see. I... Oh, you're, um... A dead crewman. Is that, um... Yeah. I stowed his body to take home. Much good Kaftan's 50 pounds of duralinium is going to do him. He doesn't even have a family to give it to, poor guy. And the other injured man? Mr. Callum? He's in one of the cryo bays over there. Induced hypersleep. That way his arm should heal by the time we get back to Earth. 
You can do the same if you like. Snooze all the way home. No. I'd rather stay awake. Bad dreams, huh? I'm gonna have a few too. This trip really wasn't worth the money. Captain Hopper? Hmm? Morton? Who's that? My engineer. She's responsible for the amateur blast-off. If you ask me, they never should have I think you need to come up here. Now. I, uh... I think I'm going to have to leave you to your own devices, Professor. Wait here. We'll talk soon. Well, what else is there to do? Do we have a problem, Morton? The patching on Telos was a rush job. I don't want to hear excuses. We got her back into space, didn't we? I guess so. It wasn't pretty, though. You knocked out our last VIP. And I had a lot more repair jobs on the list. So get on with them. That's just it. There's no need. They're already fixed. What? Uh, maybe Rogers is doing it. Rogers? No chance. Not if there's no bonus in it. Come on. He wants to get home as much as any of us. One other thing wrong with that theory. <laughs> I've no idea where Rogers is. What? What was that? Whatever it was, that can't be right. There was a sudden mass increase in the cargo bay. Okay, I'll go check it out. Meet me down there. You want me to come? Well, you just told me I can't ask Rogers. And bring a weapon. it. We're done. We've had a safe landing. Well, it's certainly safe so far. You mean it could get worse? Doesn't it always? Wherever we go, we invariably find ourselves in trouble. Yeah, we've noticed. Well, let's hope this is an exception. What happened with the TARDIS? Well, I'm not entirely certain. I think she's jumped back along her temporal vector looking for a stable time track. I beg your pardon? And what about you? Me? Oh, yes. Uh, that I'm even less certain of, but I think I did much the same. I've got to tell you, I'm not following this at all. Let's just say it's the only thing that might have caused the TARDIS to act the way she did. Right. You were acting quite strangely yourself. Then it was almost as if you infected the TARDIS. Exactly. Like Tegan said, it was catching. That hardly clears it up. What was catching? What are you talking about? Allow me to explain. You both look different. No, we don't. To me, you do. And Adric isn't here. No. But he was before, from my perspective. The logical inference is that this is a different time. Okay. Well, it's beginning to make sense. Can't believe I'm saying that. Is this a right? Is this my fault for coming back? Coming back? I don't know anything about that. No, I, I think I've been displaced along my own personal timeline into my future, I guess, judging by your confusion. So you've left us and come back, Tegan? Yes. No, don't tell him. If he is from the past, he probably shouldn't know about his own future. Shouldn't he? That would have been good to know a few seconds ago. I certainly shouldn't be here. There's definitely been some time distortion. I can try the temporal telemetry. Yes, sir, I don't remember showing you that. Ah. See? You're doing it now, telling him his future. You might as well say. I'm sure I'll pick up a few things here and there. They probably won't prove too problematic. 
All right. I've been on board the TARDIS for quite a while now. I've learnt a lot. I see. Well, it's most useful. Thank you. I could do with Adric's help as well, but I take it we parted company. Doctor, uh, about Adric, he... Um... He's left us. A short while ago in our time. I'm sorry, you'll have to make do with me and Tegan for now. Oh. Well, that's a pity. I'm sure the two of you will be quite enough. Where did he go? That's definitely more than you need, Doctor. Should we take a look outside, see where we ended up? Ah, why not? The TARDIS needs time to recalibrate, get her bearings. There's not much else we can do while that's going on, and I may find the answer out there. Answer? To what? What's the question? Isn't it obvious? Who's pulled me along my time stream? Someone must have done it. That sort of thing doesn't happen by accident. Out there, there's every chance we'll find out who's responsible. And why. Well, at least my hat's still where I left it. Come along, the two of you. He really doesn't know about Adric. I believe he's saying that he's been displaced from an earlier point in his time stream, switching bodies with his later self. And the TARDIS agrees. He's from before the Cybermen. Apparently so. For him, it hasn't happened yet. But shouldn't we tell him? He's got enough to think about already. Come on. What's keeping you? I've not gone off to the best start. Doctor, where are you? It looks like a cargo bay. Lots of crates. Oh no, a body. Hmm, not the first time I've stumbled across one right outside the TARDIS doors. Is he? Dead? No, unconscious. I can feel a pulse, but if anyone happens along and finds us standing over the body... Hold it right there. Nobody move. Doctor, has anyone ever explained to you the concept of tempting fate? Hands in the air. I was just saying, if anyone happened along, it'd be very easy to leap to the wrong conclusion. Well, it looks pretty straightforward to me. Captain, over here. What the? Cover the girls, Morton. On it. You, stand up. Slowly. Wait a minute. Haven't we met? I know you, don't I? <laughs> I don't think so. It's on the tip of my tongue. Unusual tactic for a stowaway. You saying you decided to drop by on an old pal? Yes. I never forget a face. Captain Hopper. What? He does know you. Doesn't prove a thing. Anyone who knows this rocket knows who I am. You know this man? Not terribly well, but yes. He's something of an old friend. What are you doing here? How did you get on board? We have a travel capsule. Should we be telling him that? If he's an old friend, it can hardly hurt. Tell me, how long ago was Telos? Assuming this isn't before. We left about six hours ago. How long have you been tracking us? Well, now there's a question. Doctor! <laughs> What's wrong with him? We're not entirely sure. Morton, go look for this travel capsule. I'll see what they've done to Rogers. Professor Parry, is he on board? Tell him I'm the doctor. No, you're not. There's a blue crate. Must have transmitted on board. So, you're pirates. You came to steal my rocket? Put a locking clamp on it, Morton. Aye, sir. 
Wait, if we can show you inside... And when you're done with that, lock these girls in the starboard hold. What? Doctor, you want to tell your old friend he's not being very friendly. If they're pirates, there might even be a reward. Rogers is unconscious but breathing, and they put some electronic gizmo on his head. Sorry, Captain, that's nothing to do with us. In fact... All done. Sorry about this. You two, with me. We can't leave the Doctor. He's not well. We've done nothing wrong. You're here without permission. That's a start. Move. Do as she says for now. Don't worry. Once I see Professor Perry, we can sort all this out. You'll get your chance to see him. He's in medical. I'm locking you up in there. Away from your buddies. A capital idea, Mr. Hopper. But first, you're going to help me carry Rogers back too. You up to that? Of course. I did say I only want to help. One, two, three. <laughs> We only want to help. What happened to your crewman? At a guess, he found you on board and you shut him up before he raised the alarm. No, that isn't what happened. It never is.